0: We're also on the marketing podcast network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You heard her, go subscribe.
0: The Guide to Goals podcast gives you the tools, direction, and resources you need to pursue your passion project. I'm Deborah Eckerling, project catalyst, and this is the Guide to Goals podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Michael Lennox, and we're going to talk about creating the life you want. Michael is a spiritual teacher and author, psychologist, astrologer, and internationally renowned expert on dreams and dream interpretation. He considers himself an ambassador to the unconscious mind. Hmm. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining us today.
1: No, it's so great to be here. we finally, finally connecting in this way. Yay.
0: Yes, we've we've spoken before because you've been on my other podcast, but this is the first time we've got to, like, talk face-to-face-ish, which is, you know...
1: ish I love that yes.
0: If you're gonna have a podcast, why not use it to talk to your people right? right right uh, Would you like to expand a little bit more about your background?
1: Uh, uh, sure I guess you know uh, the, the the sort of short version is you know dreams came first. I was fascinated by them as a kid. I found as a teenager that I had a natural intuitive gift for interpreting them I just because I, Sort of said so when I was out in the world and people would say I had a crazy dream, and I would say, Well, tell me about it. I, I read Freud's interpretation of dreams as a fifteen-year-old. And so I very kind of pseudo-sophisticatedly thought, Well, I can do this. And but I found that something happened when I heard a dream and spoke back to it. And what I learned later as a as a you know a sort of a full-on adult and, and a, a spiritual teacher in training in my in my thirties was that it really was an activation of a capacity to channel divine wisdom, that the the images in dreams have meaning, but the meaning is based on the thing itself, what it is, what it does. Like, there's no hidden, like, what does that mean? It's like, you know, if I dream about losing my keys and my keys get me places and unlock mysteries, then losing my keys means I haven't got the capacity to unlock the doorways of my life. It's so everything in a dream is built right into the thing itself and my capacity in dream work isn't that i know something that you all don't know it's just that i can do it so fast that when i hear the dream i kind of know exactly what the story behind the story is and somehow that work led me to explore astrology uh i think of ultimately i became an astrologer because i'm so physically sensitive in a somatic way you know we You know we're hurtling through this space at like 67,000 miles per hour.
0: Yeah, life it's fast. Just
1: moving fast, you know, the Earth is moving fast and I feel a little carsick, so I became an astrologer to manage the, you know, the energy of movement. I didn't know that at the time, but I know that now, and then mm-hmm. it just seemed in my mid-30s it was time to just make a break with the first half of my life, become serious about being a teacher in the world, and I started getting, you know, I started uh, my grad school education and got a master's and a doctor in psychology just to put the first half of the life down and pick up the second half of the life and and I teach people in those modalities and, and other spiritual modalities as well. And yes, I'm an ambassador to the unconscious mind committed to helping people heal the war inside their own consciousness so that enough people on the planet will eventually heal those wars so that we can create peace out there in the in the external world. And that's my commitment.
0: Wow. That that's in and not to make light of the powerful statement you just made. But this is why you are the perfect guest for the show. It's Guide to Goals for Your Passion Project. It's people who are working on things on the side, either while they have a day job or in addition to if they're an entrepreneur and they have a product or a, a book or a something else they want to create to <sighs> find time to put it into their lives.
1: I love that. That's beautiful. That, that's an example of people doing their part, finding their dharma, expressing their gifts and talents to lift the vibration of the world and that's that's what all of us need to be doing
0: well and this is so this is your gift my gift is like kicking people and helping them make sure that they do nice. their gift because, i love that because isn't isn't that the thing shouldn't we at least for part if not most or all of our lives be doing what we love
1: yes Absolutely, and um, I think it's a confounding uh, obstacle that people bump into is they they know this as an abstract concept, and then then we live in this world where we are our resume or we are our career choice or our job, and, and people confuse dharma and job. Sometimes they're the same. I'm blessed with that. My dharma and my my career are the same, but it's not for everybody. Sometimes it's about just finding something that you love that you can share with others. Maybe it's a project. Maybe it's something that's public. Maybe it is consumable, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's just something that you embody that other people respond to at the grocery store. It doesn't matter which it is or what it is. Um, but it, it, it hopefully is designed to inspire others to a higher vibration. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're committed to do is helping people find something specific to, to chew on and, and, and offer. To the world. Uh,
0: yes. I, I think of it more of like it's the hope factor. Even if you're not mm. doing everything that you love, if you're doing something... Something that you that love. you love, it will, to use your words, raise the vibration of the rest of your life. And that's just
1: it. That is correct.
0: It, so, so what can people... Well, let's start with this and cuz we we pre-talked about a lot of this stuff, but let's talk about what can people do just off the bat to be more in line with who they are and what they want?
1: Golly, that's <laughs> that's We're an done. enormous question. Wow.
0: <sighs> we could start elsewhere.
1: Well, no, I mean, you put the question on the table. Let's um you know, I, I, I think that, you know, since I am first and foremost as a spiritual teacher, I dwell in astrology and I dwell in dream work. Let me first answer the question right there. Like if you don't know where to start out there, mm-hmm. then turn within. Look within. And you've got certainly one thing built into the mechanism that is designed to inform you more about who you are on a soulful level. And they happen right inside your brain every night that you go to sleep and they're for fun and they're for free. And that's your dreams your dreams are now the scientist in me says well we don't really know that and we don't we don't know what dreams are really beyond that. they clean the brain off and, and prepare it to receive more data the next day and if we didn't do that we would hallucinate because it would be too many neural synapses up there firing from everything we saw yesterday so we clean that off which is by the way one of the reasons why we often dream of things we've done because we're really reviewing everything and we're taking what's important and we're creating memory and we're taking everything that's extraneous and we're throwing it down into the nether regions. But at the same time, our soul is being opened up to sing to us, to speak to us, to inform us about where our fears are dwelling and where our desires are taking us in an abstract language of symbols. You don't have to know what a dream means to honor it. It, it has a work and purpose of its own. It doesn't need your help. In fact, it's like I like to sort of sometimes joke when I'm teaching or, or speaking that, that I am ultimately irrelevant. Your dreams don't need my help. They are assisting you become a better human being. That is what they do. Not, not for nothing. I think, I believe that if you pay some attention to them, they – do a better job, just like the the, the, the eight-year-old jumping into the pool over and over going saying, hey, ma, watch, has an experience of fullness when he or she jumps into the water and mom is watching. Our dreams are the same kind of thing. They have a fullness and an expansion energetically when we're paying attention to them.
0: So our dreams are happy if we listen.
1: Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, our dreams are happy if we listen. And now, don't. For those of you listening, it doesn't mean that your dreams will be happy dreams. Your dreams may be happy that you're listening, and then they scare the living daylights out of you because that's the process that's going on. That there's a shadow exploration, or there's an expression of fear or doubt being, you know, uh, embodied in the dream state. And so by paying attention, your dreams may get deeper, darker, richer, more vivid. But yes, I believe that, that, that their natural inclination to bring forth wisdom to practice our humanity increases when we pay attention to them. And it can be as simple as remembering them. It can be as simple as ruminating about them when you wake up. It can be more... Valuable to write them down and sort of record them in your conscious mind if you're able to remember them. Sharing them with others increases it even more. Spending some time thinking about what the meaning might be raises the vibration even higher. And I think the, the highest thing you could ever do with a dream to make it happiest, since we're saying in that, that language, is uh, do something creative and abstract in response to it. You know, your unconscious mind is speaking to you through your dreams in an irrational language of symbols. If you wanna speak back to your unconscious mind, speak back to it in something that is irrational and symbolic, like a drawing, like a poem, like a dance around the living room. And then you're in this dynamic conversation, conscious mind to unconscious mind, expressing itself more fully. And the temptation to say, well, I gotta know what this dream means is it's a distraction. It can be fun and lovely and I certainly do that for myself and I do it for clients and then I say, you know, don't get too caught up with your dream interpretation experiencing, you know, look like, you know, as if you've just had a session with me because it, 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 it's not necessary. It's just again, the dream is happy if you're paying attention to it.
0: So should people be like programming their dreams if they're trying to figure something out or should they just like at
1: it and see what happens? Absolutely. Uh, I, I have I have come to rely on my dream experience. Uh, I call this petitioning dreams. That's one of the sort of standard terms for this act, which is before bed, say hey, dream state. Do you have anything to say to me about this situation? Um, Is there any wisdom that I can get from you that will help me face this obstacle, conflict, relationship, challenge, decision? And then the dreams come through and inform. Um, The frustration with this work is sometimes it's irrational and you can't feel – Clear about what you've been given, and then you just have to trust that your greater consciousness knows what was brought forward, and just keep moving. Um, and sometimes it's it's wildly clear. I mean, it is in my experience. I've got a lot of practice at this, obviously. But mm-hmm. the the level of clarity—it's like you couldn't write this. Like in a in a writer's room, if I said, "Oh, how about this problem in this dream?" They'd be like, "Oh, that's too on the nose. That's too obvious." I'd be like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, so sometimes they're obvious, so just because they're obvious doesn't mean they're not right.
1: No, I I find them very satisfying when I ask the question and the dream that comes in is very obvious then I feel, oh, okay, got it, whatever you wanted to tell me, I think it's landed, I think I understand what you, you being my greater consciousness, want me to know. You know. So yeah, so there we have the dream landscape and just being with your dreams as one way of increasing your inner landscape sense of self and purpose. And hey, if anybody's listening to this is sort of feeling like they're floating around and the I'm not really sure what my purpose is or I'm not really sure what I love or how to turn what I love into a thing to do, ask your dreams to answer this very question you never know how you may be guided in a, in a very literal way by what comes.
0: It's funny because, you know, in business there's that statement, if you don't ask, you don't get. And this is like exactly it.
1: Exactly that. Exactly that.
0: And are there, what are the things people can do during the day also to, to hone in on what they need to be doing?
1: (sighs) You know, one of the things that, that is, for me at any rate, exciting about living a life more archetypally, meaning looking at your landscape as if it were a dream. When, when you have a sleeping dream, you're invited to consider every person an aspect of your personality and every landscape as an aspect of your inner consciousness, So the house in your dream represents your sense of self. The kitchen in the dream represents your sort of heart and lungs where you're nurtured and made warm. And people accept that notion pretty easily. Like, oh, okay, yeah, it's a dream. It's happening inside my head. It's symbolic. It's irrational. Okay, everybody's me. You know, I'm having a dream about my ex, but I get that my ex isn't in the room, (laughs) so that ex must be an aspect of my personality. Okay, I can accept that. You can live your life in the very same way. What does what's happening in my life reflect about my consciousness? I believe that everything that happens to us, everything that we draw into us, everything that we see, every person that we interact with is is an expression of our consciousness. And you can interpret relationships, events, circumstances in an effort to behold them more fully by using the same principles that you would in interpreting a dream. Well, what might this be reflecting of me? You know, I'm, oh, I have this appointment with a therapist and I'm 10 minutes late. Now, the therapist is going, hmm, <laughs> hmm, client is 10 minutes late every week. This must mean something. The, the client might be going, oh, I'm late again, and not be willing to make that sort of leap. But the, 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 the training, the, the, what, what, what the therapist wants to do for the client is to get the client to a place where they're willing to interpret what is behind the act of being late for session every 10 minutes, you know, 10 minutes every, every session. Living life that way can be very rich and satisfying. Now, you can take this too far. You don't want to be solipsistic about this. If you, you know, you could be so self-involved and self-focused in interpreting it. What does this mean? What does this mean? It's like, ooh, there's nothing more unattractive than that. But it's like when something occurs that is confounding or difficult... In my experience and my training and my teaching, taking a look at the occurrence from that perspective of, well, what does this reflect about me? What am I bringing to the table that's drawing this in can be very, very valuable in figuring out what I am saying about my life that I don't know that I am saying until I look at it in that way.
0: So, in, in, um, I want to say in real people terms. So if you do something that makes you happy, pay attention to it and do more of that. If you're interacting with people who don't make you happy, see what you can adjust in your life or in
1: your Inside of you.
0: Yes. Or run away from them.
1: (laughs) Well, listen, running away and choosing other is a good idea, absolutely. But it's, it's, uh, um, you know... I guess what I'm saying is like in in using your first example, you could say that I do this thing and it makes me happy, so I'm going to do it again. But the very same token, you could say there's a happiness inside me that must express itself. And when I focus on that idea, I'm naturally drawn to this thing. It's really the same equation. It's just one is looking at it from the inside and one is looking from the outside. One is declaring that the happiness is, like I play the piano and I sing, right? And it makes me happy. So I could say that the happiness is caused by the piano playing and the singing. Or I could say that my happiness causes me To play the piano and sing. I just think that it's more powerful to start with the inner landscape, to sort of say, inside me is a happiness. Let me flame that up, and that might inspire me to choose more happy things. Why? Why is that powerful? Because I can do that in my – there's my chair. I don't know if you can see it behind me. There's my chair that I do my morning practice in where I consciously create my experience And if I sit in that chair and I cultivate the sensation of happiness and joy, I am more likely to do something joyful in that day than if I wake up going, I'm very unlikely to choose to do something that brings me joy in that day. And the control is in my choices.
0: So you start your day with like a morning meditation and being in tune. Yes. That's That, I'm guessing, could be as simple as just sitting for five minutes and just choosing to, today, I am just going to be happy.
1: I am choosing happiness. I am cultivating the experience of joy. I am looking outward for my joyful life to reflect back to me the joy I am cultivating inside my heart. So that's like a, I I don't... I just made that up in this moment, but just to make a kind of an obvious point that, yes, a spiritual practice. We're talking about a spiritual practice and having a spiritual practice. One of the obstacles for people in having a spiritual practice, and by the way, this is not a religious practice. It can be completely physics-oriented. Like there doesn't have to be anything woo-woo about a spiritual practice. You know, a spiritual practice can be looking up at the sky in the morning and just letting yourself—I'm looking at the sky obviously out the window here—letting um, <laughs> yourself be filled with wonder at how beautiful it is. That's a spiritual practice if it is done with the intention of shifting your emotional experience, right? Mm-hmm. The. The, the, the kicker is or the trick is or the funny thing is is that people think that a spiritual practice is complicated, long, requires a lot of discipline. Well, it does require a lot of discipline, but it doesn't require a lot of time or complex ingredients. You, do you know how to breathe, Deborah?
0: I sure hope so.
1: And you know how to have a spiritual practice. Awesome right? All you need to know is, oh, right, breath is life. I have this breath. I do it unconsciously. What would happen if I sat down in a chair and I just, oh, I'm breathing. Five breaths, 10 breaths in a morning every day. And that person, if they were arrested for having a spiritual practice, they'd be convicted. That's
0: awesome. But, but it's, it's so simple. And so why doesn't everybody do this? God, let me see if I can put more double and triple negatives
1: Right, right, right. I love that <laughs> question. But I got the question because I am one of those people who stumbled with this, you know, for decades before I landed in the place where I was ready, willing, and able. Let me say one thing about that. Let me say a couple of things about that. One is it is the human experience to resist this we are trained to look out there for our satisfaction and our happiness we are trained to believe that we have no control over what's going on in here or here and that's not true but we're trained to believe that so there's a lot of support that says look out there for how you're supposed to feel and you have no control about what that is so we're just dealing on one level with a lot of training that is counter to the truth of life I hate talking about what I'm about to talk about, but it's just sort of true that there is something in the human condition that is fundamentally nihilistic and self-destructive. Look at the planet. The planet is reflecting something that is inherent in our fundamental humanity right now that is destructive. And if that weren't so, it wouldn't exist. It exists because we inside of ourselves have a self-destroying complex. And in order to get to the place where you feel valuable enough to invest in your life with a spiritual practice, a joyful searching, a project-oriented, disciplined, guided life like you inspire others for, in order to value yourself that much, there's a lot of dismantling that has to be done around the impulses to resist, the impulses to stay small, the impulses to just go with your destructive humanity. And my god, everywhere we turn we get these reminders that it's awful out there. Mm-hmm. How, what a I, I mean, I have I have to be very careful with how much I allow myself to see. News and and media feeds and all that. I, I and just enough to know what's going on because I can't be. Uh, I can't do what I do without knowing what's going on in the world. There are spiritual teachers who can, but I'm. I'm just not vibrating that high. I am mean, just not that guy. I'm. I'm. I'm one of the bozos on the bus. So I need to know just enough. have a conversation about what's going on, but not so much that I get saturated in the reminders that it's awful out there. Mm -hmm. So I think that that gets in the way of an individual's experience of trying to cultivate I value myself enough to sit down and spend the four or five minutes. This shows up everywhere too, Deborah. This isn't just spiritual practice. This is, you know, eating well. This is going to the gym exercising we, we all bump up against resistance for a long time and it takes an enormous amount of discipline to, to bust through those things and you know your initial question was why the, uh, the bottom line answer is I have no idea I don't know why but I do know it's so and I do know that it's bustable it's changeable but it takes great tenacity it's a Herculean prospect to bust through those resistances, well worth it, by the way.
0: <laughs> little bit at a time, and you keep on yeah. busting through.
1: Yeah, you know, a little. I love that you said a little bit of it at a time because it's one of the things I really try to emphasize with a lot of people: start small. Don't think you got to be doing the sort of lofty, you know, oh, staring at your navel, you know. But I, I, I don't want to get. You know, snotty. But, um, you know, you don't teach a dog to sit and stay by leaving town. You know, you, you teach a dog to sit and stay and walking three feet away. And so you don't teach yourself to have discipline with a spiritual practice by saying, I've got to meditate for 20 minutes. Well, what if you can meditate for 20 minutes? You will never meditate. Like, that's a setup for failure. But I'll bet you you could do it for three.
0: Mm-hmm. This, this is exactly because the way that, that I coach or train people is even if you have 15 minutes a day to work on your passion project, and That's right. you don't even have to do it every single day but a few right. days a week. By the end of the week, you'll have more than you had when you started, right?
1: That's right. That is right.
0: What recommendations <laughs> do you have for work-life balance and how do you maintain it even though you're probably more balanced than most people?
1: Um, you know, I think one of the things that's really important is to, um, really find your own recipe. You know, um, I struggled a lot with my writing initially. Um, like the first book that I had published took me six years to write and it is not a six year book and I didn't have a day job. I just couldn't attend to it with any kind of discipline. And now I I sit my I, – I, I sometimes type so fast when I'm writing that, you know, I've had people comment, you know, that I'm going to break something. Um, but one of the things that, that was important for me was to um, find what worked for me and try a lot of approaches. Um, and I think that that's – Uh, 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 crucial is to uh, it's a setup to think that someone else's answer is the right answer if it's not the one for you Mm -hmm. because that will just bring you right back to I can't do it so it's like for instance the passion project a couple of minutes a day so if if that couple of minutes could only be in the morning the person who has trouble waking up in the morning is always going to fail right Maybe that 15 minutes is only at night for that person, or maybe it's in three-minute increments. You know, one of the – I come from a family with ADHD, serious diagnosable ADHD. I don't have it at that level, but I'm – that is my general way of being is there's very little that I can do outside of a client session, workshop, retreat. You know, something where I'm really focused on channeling wisdom. Mm -hmm. I can barely do anything for more than 10 minutes of time ever period. That was why that book took me six years. Because what I've cultivated is, for me, it works to write for 10 minutes and go do something else, and then come back and then go do something else, and then come back and then go do something else. So I think that your individual rhythm is something to honor. So to try different structures about when to find your time to devote. And uh, I think we've said this, but it's worth repeating. Start small And um, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to use it anyway.
0: You could do it. It's okay.
1: Pray. Okay. Use the mind to declare what you desire. Mm -hmm. The mind is the part of you that's telling you you can't. So you might as well start there,
0: and tell it you can,
1: and tell it you can, and better than telling it that you can, I'll give two sort of words in there. So I use the word pray, prayer. It's a word that works for me. It's it is no different than saying uh, using affirmations,
0: right?
1: Same thing, as far as I'm concerned. Um, in fact, one of the challenges I think with modern spirituality is words like God and pray have been used so long to describe something that I'm not talking about. But they're good words. So using the mind effectively to shift and change your experience um, by going to the source where you're saying no and reframe that no into a yes. And better to say I am in the process of or I am willing to than say I am. So like if you say I am – I will write – successfully today, if there's a voice in your unconscious mind that's saying, no, conversation's over. I will write today. No, you won't. (laughs) Conversation. Done. Let's move on.
0: Right. Let's move on.
1: (laughs) But say this, I am willing to write today. Then the unconscious mind goes, huh?
0: You're tricking it.
1: That's new information. What, what does that mean? I am willing to, (laughs) then there's an opening. I am in the process of opening myself up to joyful experiences doing something that I love. I am open to the possibility of finding the joyful activities that I love to come and make themselves known to me. It's this language of I'm in the process, I am willing, that subjugates the unconscious mind's absolute no. Because it cannot contend with that kind of open-ended language. It has to stop and go okay all right well, i'm on to something else because i don't i can't say no to that
0: that's great the, this leads into which should be like the first goal and it's personal professional but i think these are both going to be like goals because what we're talking about is they're in tune with one another is to either use one of your affirmations or come up with something that's appropriate and start start doing it every day even if, That's right. What what is the role? You're supposed to say it a certain number of times a day or just once?
1: That's that's a, that's a great question. You know, um in my world, if if I if I were king of everybody's unconscious, <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: and I got, got to I got
1: to say I am. I would say ceasing ceaselessly. Never ending. Every moment is an opportunity to turn toward prayer and affirmation. It works. Sometimes it might only relieve you for a minute or two or even a second or two, and then you just go back to it and go back to it and go back to it. That kind of discipline will create an outrageously masterful life and will lead you in the direction of finding the joyful, loving projects and funneling your energy and life force into them with grace and ease and discipline because it's the mind that is saying no go to the mind and work there to turn that no into a possible yes.
0: I love it. That's great. The first goal is to come up with your affirmation, and then the second is to,
1: to say it continually Continue. until you get it. Until you get it. Or until it evolves into something new to say. Say something new each day. Have it be different. Let's changed up. up mix it up.
0: I love it. Dr. Michael Lennox, this has been such a pleasure and a joy. Thank you so much for taking the time. And anyone who is, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to the audio podcast, if you go to guidedgoals.com, we will have Michael's links and some show notes. It does not matter what your situation is. There are little things you can do to change your life. You just have to decide that you want to change your life.